Welcome to the post Thanksgiving Sea podcast. Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. Back in the studio after a few weeks as Ian Ferguson. Hi. I'm Pat Contry. On the show today, we'll be talking about lots of fun stuff in the retro gaming and modern gaming world. Like, um, I don't know what's going on out there today. Uh, a new Pokemon game came out. Uh, we have an anal- analyst are saying digital games will take over in a few years. We have a weird TurboGrafx eBay lot we'll discuss in depth. And a Patreon poll. And uh, voice messages. We talked about how much we were gluttons over Thanksgiving. Yes, we talked about two separate feasts. On the patreon.com slash CU podcast exclusive chat. Then got into a corn syrup debate, which is always fun. (laughs) Go USA right now. We're recording this. We're playing Iran. If we win, the U.S. moves on to, to the elimination final 16 bracket. Let's go. Let's fucking go. So I'll give updates even though by the time it's released, we'll know, but I won't know while I'm recording this. That's how it works. We record and I edit. It comes out later. I'm uh, I'm excited to see the uh, Pistons-Knicks game tonight. Uh, the only person in the world's probably saying that, but yes, the Pistons-Knicks game. Nope, my other friend is excited too because he's a Knicks fan, and uh, I, I hope we win so I can stick it to him. I try to get back to watching the Knicks, but whenever I watch, I'm just like, I can't follow this. I just can't. I can't get excited for it. I just can't. I try, and I'm just like, I can't. I'm, I, I'm, I fell out of love with the Knicks. It's weird how um, how excited I can get for the Pistons when they have fucking five wins on the year, so like, like five and fourteen or something like that. Yeah, uh, their 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 bench looks pretty. You know, their bench isn't bad. Uh, everyone's injured. See you, sportscast. Um, but I like the team. It's one of those w- weird things where, like, you actually when you look at a team, you don't necessarily like all the guys that play on your team. But I like look at the Pistons and I'm like, I like all the dudes like on the team. You they like seem like a good dudes. group of guys. You have a sandwich with them? Yeah, I'd have a sandwich with all the Pistons. Lakers uh, blew a 17-point fourth quarter lead to the Pacers the last second on a buzzer beater out of three. I I was watching on NBA TV, and I'm like, ah, ha, 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 ah, ha, ha. Sorry, Sorry, Southern California listeners. Uh, I revel revel in their pain. I'm not sorry. Taps the sign. No cheering for LA teams. We don't do it. Uh, So that was good. And then then the the Dubs play. uh, Who do they play today? Is it the Heat? I forget who they play. Dubs have won five of six. It seems like they found their groove and their chemistry with the second unit. So that's good. And and Clay is now, again, watch out, League. Clay has now been Clay the past, like, week and a half. He's shooting, like, 56% from three the past, like, four games. Like, now, now you're in trouble. Mikhail Bridges was taunting him on the Suns. Fuck the Suns, by the way. I'm sorry if you're in, in Phoenix. Uh, and no one likes the Suns, I don't think. Uh, they um, burned up a lot of goodwill uh, with me in the past couple of years. I was like, yeah, I've never had a problem with the Suns. Uh, I'll root for him in, at the end. But the, the, yeah, they've they've sort of overstayed their welcome with a lot of people. And Chris I, Paul can shut up. Like I, I've been, a, I was a Chris Paul defender for a long time. But God, I'm, I'm tired of fucking Chris Paul. And Devin Booker, Booker seems like he's a little bit of, of a, a little bit arrogant. I corny ass Chris Paul. I never never liked Chris Paul. He's a little bit of a dirty player and, and he's a little disrespectful. Um, but them blowing game seven last year by like 40 points to the Mavericks was like the best thing ever in this in the second round. Anyway, sorry if sorry if you're a Suns fan. I think most of the US now does not like the Suns for various reasons. But anyway, yeah, so Mikhail Bridges taunted Clay like in his face with the three symbol while Clay was sitting on the bench. Since that point, Clay's like 
been playing out of his mind. So maybe, <laughs> so maybe that's what it took. Maybe that's what it took. Thanks, Mikhail Bridges. Um, we're talking about video games, right? So this came sure. out recently. In Europe, it was looking likely that Europe was not going to be supporting the um, the governments in general are more, uh, we'll just say, anti-monopoly and anti, you know, let corporations do whatever they want. So that had to do with the Microsoft take takeover of Blizzard, Activision Blizzard. So the feds are now likely to challenge uh, the the, uh, the merger or takeover, the buyout here, $69 billion. So... That's that would have huge ramifications, of course, if that go if that goes through. Oh yeah, that could be huge. Um, and uh, Sony is saying that EA's Battlefield franchise uh, can't keep up with Call of Duty, and that is um, one of its arguments against Xbox's acquisition of um, Activision Blizzard. I guess is that they would not have a suitable competitor. Which I'm not so sure that that's going to stick anywhere. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, well, we, we our, our our third party, you know, modern warfare game series isn't as good as the other one out there. That's I don't know if that's anti monopolistic. That's just saying that. Well, we can't have both games in our console. Which yeah. I get it. I get it. It's it's going to be hurtful. I, I get it, but I don't know if that's going to that that's an argument that would matter. I mean, that's what exclusive deals are for. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything legally wrong there. Call of Duty is not replicable, it said. Call of Duty is too entrenched for any rival, no matter how well <laughs> equipped to catch up. It has been the top-selling what? game for almost every year in the last decade, and in the first-person shooter genre, it is overwhelmingly the top-selling game. That, to me, is just sour grapes and crybabying. That's so weird to me, because you can't say... Yeah, like, I mean, you can't argue that... Yeah, that's you can't strange. make the argument for any other any other industry where like Paramount can't go. Hey, the, the MCU movies make too much money every year. We we so now to we get too? to distribute yeah. some of those. That's no, not that's, how it works. What? No, make your you know make your own deals and make your own shit. That's a totally different argument than than saying that this deal on its on, you know bringing all of the Activision Blizzard entities and all their minor you know, properties and major ones is going to have an adverse effect on the industry. That's different than saying, well, boo-hoo, our game is not as good. Or, or the game we have isn't as good as the sales of the other. No, and things can change. It's just sure. Battlefield's a shitty game. I mean, NBA Live used to be the top of the, you know, basketball game genre, and now no one... I don't even know if they still... I don't think they still make NBA Live games. I think they tried to bring them back one year, and then they stopped. They stopped, really? So now you have the, you just have, you have the one. You have the 2K, and that's it? Right. And I'm not saying that's good, but all I'm trying to say is, like, the top dog in any given genre can change pretty quickly. That's so weird how EA is not doing basketball anymore. Is that true? They just said, fuck it? It's I, not I worth don't it? think they've done it in many... I think in the past, like, 10, 15 years, they've put off... They've that's, put out maybe two games. Yeah, there's no NBA Lives anymore. That's bizarre. You type in NBA Live and you get League Pass come up. Like, I, I guess FIFA's good enough because basketball is, like, the, the, the fastest growing <laughs> sport in the world. Well, you know, so like, I, I don't think they're hurting. I mean, Madden no. clearly makes them a shitload no, of money, and FIFA is the... You're leaving money on the table not having a basketball game. They're, they're still doing the... I mean, they, they own the NHL games. I mean, no one else is doing a competitive really NHL no. game anymore. I get that. So I guess they're saying, hey, we own, you know, basically two sports, hockey and, and soccer. Maybe that we don't need to do basketball, I guess. Well, I think we're getting that way where, like, every company had to have a sports division, and they all tried to put out their own sports game. But you look at Sony, they do MLB The Show. It's on other platforms. No one else is really trying to do a baseball game because people like that one. 
You know, you've got you've got uh, 2K doing NBA. EA's not doing baseball either anymore. No. What the hell? EA he used to do everything. They EA hasn't done baseball MVP. in a while. It was MVP either. baseball. Yeah, I don't think they've done that in a decade. Uh, EA this year launches MLB Tap Sports. Free to play mobile yeah, baseball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, oh, it's get not, the fuck they, out of here. Yeah, they, they don't have an actual franchise. Get the fuck out of here. Top yeah, they just sports. do NHL, Madden, and um, oh, they purchased a FIFA. They purchased Glue G L U, which makes Tap Sports Baseball. So they're purchasing a mobile right gaming company. Oh my god! But yeah, no one. There's no one out there like doing the full slate of sports anymore, like we used to get. Okay. Anyway, so we'll see what happens with the uh, FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, uh, in their lawsuit. If they challenge the deal, that'll take a long time to work its way through. That will not be like a month or two uh, for that. Um, Central to the FTC's concerns is whether acquiring Activision would give Microsoft an unfair boost in the video game market. Uh, You think it would? Of course it will. Microsoft's Xbox is number three to the industry-leading Sony Interactive Entertainment and its PlayStation console. Sony, however, has emerged as the deal's primary opponent, telling the FTC and regulators in other countries that if Microsoft made hit games like Call of Duty exclusive to its platforms, Sony would be significantly disadvantaged. I mean, at what point? I mean, for a long time, that's how it worked, where it's just you had video game consoles that had their own series of games, and they were, like, all in their own silos. And we always said that, what's the difference between these consoles at this point, these two consoles? And with this sale, there would be a significant difference to it. Right. So, all right. What else is going on? Uh, Netflix says that they are making a AAA PC game and um, their new studio. So, Netflix, Every we've talked about it before. Netflix has games, and then everyone forgets about the games. Why? Because they're mobile games, and you have to... I, I don't even know the process to access them. You probably have to access it through the app. All I know is that very few people are playing them. This article actually right here says that less than 1%, less than 1% of the firm subscribers, excuse me, are taking advantage of the mobile games that come with membership. Excuse me. Blockbuster games for other platforms can not only reach new audiences, but help Netflix build its reputation. Blah, 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 blah. So um, they are, they've already posted uh, for a director in Los Angeles. They already have, um, uh, former Overwatch director Chaco Sunny is leading the LA studio, but they're looking for a new director. And what the director they want is they want the new hire to have uh, first and third person shooter experience and experience with live, uh, like live um, uh, uh, games as services stuff, like Destiny. So that's what it sounds like they want to do is is make a games as service. Do shit. they do they market research any of this? Do they know what their demographic of subscribers is? If, if they're ever going to play a first or third person shooter, like David, like do they know like what their what their audience even is at this point? Netflix, I don't know if they do. No, I don't know. I don't think any streaming s- service uh, truly understands their fucking audience right now. Because all the changes are not stuff that people want, at least in the circles that I listen to. Take that money. And put it back into series that you you know that are critically acclaimed that you cancel. Yeah. Mindhunter season three, people have been begging for for fucking years, and it's like you can probably make like three series with the money going into these AAA games. Like this is insane uh, for this. Like well, I, honestly, if, if I was on a budget, Netflix would be gone. If I, Netflix would be gone immediately. If I I don't sometimes I don't watch it once a week. Even Netflix, I forget I have it. Sure, I do. Uh, and when I turn on, it's like n- not looking for what's the new exclusive thing coming on. It's like, oh, what's their new true crime doc? Like, that's honestly what it's become. Yeah, I'm going to probably hold out for some of their 
uh, you know, movies that are going to be interesting. Like, yeah, I want to see like Beverly Hills Cop, you know, Axel Foley next year on Netflix. I will watch that. But like, that's not enough for a lot of people to sustain paying whatever 14 bucks a month for a service waiting for stuff like that. When you cancel these series, which is one of the you know main reasons people got into you know Netflix was for their exclusive series. And, yeah. and, and getting and getting you know it's not enough for me to see the like, Stranger Things. I'm not like the core demographic. I'll watch it, but that's not enough to get me to justify the purchase. At the rate at which they cancel their new series, you can't even trust like that those are going to stick around. So even if they do put out a good one, are they going to fucking see it through? Or are they just going to make Stranger Things season fucking twelve? Make another Ryan Reynolds film for three hundred million dollars, and no one's going to. You watch. are really stuck on that Ryan Reynolds movie. You bring that up every time. It's multiple. He's done like three or four oh, really? Netflix. He had a yeah. Oh yeah, he did. That Rock yeah. movie is terrible. Have yeah. you seen it? I watched we it got, when I was sick. Back it, in I, Buffalo. I, I fell asleep twice watching. I couldn't get through it. I couldn't get through it. I don't remember anything about it. Like literally, I couldn't tell you that, that movie thing happened. That, that movie probably movie. cost over two hundred million dollars, and it's like it was just a waste of money. Anyway, because people are not buying, people are not subscribing to Netflix to see that. Uh, bad news if you're a GameStop customer. I mean, in general, there's bad news if you're a GameStop customer, or, or you know, like or like the company or used to. Uh, reports indicating GameStop may have leaked information information regarding customer information, uh, such as ad- addresses and credit cards appear online. This is from Joshua Duckworth, reporting from Game Rant. Uh, there is a glitch apparently in GameStop's user database where shoppers were inadvertently opening up and or refreshing their information and seeing names, orders, addresses, and potentially even credit card info for other GameStop users. That's nuts. <laughs> that is absolutely insane. Hey, I want to buy a controller for my for my nephew. And then oh, there's uh, there's a uh, Kathy's information uh, next day to what? That's nuts. So GameStop says this was part of a test and not genuine customer data. Um, what? Yeah. So GameStop has responded to reports that users could view customer information that was not theirs, claiming that no breach occurred and that the data was seen was part of a test. Potential leaks come in the wake of poor financial performance for GameStop having lost 71% of its value. Holy shit. Lost 71% of its value. What, what the GameStop? GameStop. Since yeah. when? Uh, since the meme stock boom well, nearly two years ago. Well, I mean, of course it did. Of course. But... It's, it's, it's... So apparently it never, it didn't actually happen, but uh, they, I mean, they're claiming that the leaked data was fake. It's at 25 bucks a stock. Wow, really? Uh, it, the high this year has been $50 a year ago, November 29th. That was the high. So Literally a year ago was the high, so it's been 30s, 30s and 20s the past year. Yeah, it's done. Yeah. Yep. Um, so anyway, yeah, I guess it's a test, but still it looks bad. doesn't look great. Yeah, I'm looking at a tweet from it. Someone named Erica originally tweeted it. Erica Yasmin said, every time, what the fuck? Every time I refresh my account, I see other people's info and orders even address. Is this real? And of course they blocked out Yeah. the, the, the addresses and stuff, but oh, wow, that's fucking weird. Okay. Well, you know where your data is always safe, Pat. <laughs> I, I hope so via Shopify at, at ultimatenintendo.com. <laughs> That's right. I don't have my own servers. I use <laughs> Shopify. Go to ultimatenintendo.com for all your holiday uh, gifts. You got the enamel pins to your podcast. You got the RBI baseball stickers. You got uh, certain NES uh, Super Nintendo guidebooks. You have the CU podcast shirts. 
and irregular sizes at this point. point sm- <laughs> small and mediums, if you're on the smaller size, get a CU podcast shirt for the holidays. It makes a stocking a stocking stuffer a stocking, stocking stuffer. <laughs> Do you have a like a dog? You can like a uh, you can put the the shirt around your dog. Yeah, if you have a small or medium sized dog, you can do that. Like a bulldog, maybe. Yeah, you, you can just you know cut off the put its uh, its paws through the front real cute. Oh, yeah, it'd be adorable. Cute. There you go. I'll, I'll just I'll just I'll just rebrand the product as dog shirt. <laughs> dog shirt. It'll probably sell like in a day. <laughs> yep. All that at ultimate I will be on Twitch Wednesday. Twitch.tv slash country code. I'm not sure I'll be doing a um. Well, actually, tomorrow's not even December yet, technically. I'll do a Christmas stuff once we get into December. And I'm on, I'm on Cameo, Cameo.com slash Pat Contry. Video Game History Foundation is doing a donation drive right now. Yes, they are. And they've tweeted out, let's say, Video Game History together. If you're able to give this year, there's never been a better time than right now. If you give today, <sighs> your donation will automatically be doubled thanks to our generous sponsors. So they have tiers of sponsors, they, including... Some of our pals that we know, like Retrobit, Digital Eclipse are on there, Double Jump Video Games. So so you have sponsors that will double for certain tier amounts, which is great. That's a great thing to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Pink Gorilla, uh, Just Press Play. I think I know those folks. Um, so, yeah. Could have done a CU Podcast uh, sponsorship. That would have been interesting. Maybe next year we'll do that. Um, Digital Eclipse is on there. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I uh they did extremely, extremely well last year, so hopefully they'll do just as good this year. Hopefully. Got to keep the lights on. Got to pay the rent. Uh, Adam Conover from uh, Adam Ruins Everything. Met the fellow. Uh, I want to say he's a humorous comedian. Uh, he now is Elon a... Elon Musk. Ah. Mark Zuckerberg. Okay, there's the video. So he start, he's, it's been blowing up already. I think it's only the past few months. Has his own like uh, video channel on YouTube and Patreon. You know... And uh, the video is called Elon Musk is an idiot, and so are Zuck and SBF. <laughs> SBF is the is the is the guy who's who's going down for uh, uh, Sam Bankman Freed, free or so, yeah for, for the for the uh, fucking crypto exchange that's the, like the fucking the biggest scam ever. Basically, is what's been <laughs> called. Uh, that's basically helping down, to take down crypto entirely. So anyway, so. Uh, yeah, FTX. FTX has basically been the death knell for almost all crypto since FTX has been involved with other other fucking exchanges. And another one just filed for bankruptcy the past couple of days. I forget which one. Jesus. You know, you know my, my, the Miami Heat play in FTX Arena? Yeah, and that's supposed to be getting changed, I believe. I wonder if they – I guess if you pay per year, it'll run out. Right. And then the Lakers play – I read something that they were looking to change it or, or whatever. Lakers are in Crypto.com Arena. That one hasn't, I think, filed for bankruptcy yet. That'll probably be the one that holds on. Anyway, so just watch the video. Not because there's a certain NES guidebook on the shelf behind Adam, but it goes into the history of Elon Musk and and really talks about how, not to bring Tommy Tellerico into it, but it's the same playbook of you be, you, know, you basically you build up your legacy on, on, on a fucking house of cards. Yes. And a lot of it people don't look into. And so you, you, these people in power can try to change history and reshape it to fit their narrative, who they are, and their legacy. And that's what Elon, Elon Musk did. You know, Elon uh, Musk didn't found Tesla. You know, he didn't found uh, PayPal. Uh, you know, he was with a company that bought PayPal. He was actually thrown off the board after a while because he was fucking it up. And these are things that either get people don't know. These are things that get um, thrown under the rug. 
And it takes people to actually look at the history of these individuals and what they actually achieved on their own. You know, what, what did they actually do? What did they actually do? Um, so this is going to be like, that goes into him and how much that uh, Zuckerberg has wasted trying to do the fucking metaverse. Yeah, the amount of money uh, that he goes into him wasting. And it, I mean, it's, it's, in, it's insane. Yeah. It's ins- I didn't know they could spend that much money trying to do the metaverse. What was it? Tens of billions of dollars? What do you invest? Like, what is the investment at that point? Are you shoveling money around and these companies are just it's going on vacation? and biggest wet coke. shit I've seen, like, in a long, long time. Coke and hookers all around? Like, what? Are the, how do you blow that much money on the metaverse? The, uh, I mean, all the talk lately has been, you know, Musk and Twitter. But, yeah, let's not forget that Zuckerberg and the meta thing is just... It's insane. And, and then, like... Let's let's remake uh, the me-verse, but worse is basically what it yeah, is. Let's make a dystopian fucking... Uh, Ready Player One, but but worse technologically and of probably less value to people's lives yeah. somehow. And it looks like garbage when you looked at it. it oh, like, it looks miserable. It looks miserable. Yep. And then obviously SBF is someone that, you know, I don't know. I just think sometimes some people just think right, our brains are just wired, hardwired differently than other people. Where we see things for what they are. And some people just can't see things or refuse to believe that this stuff can be can go bad or that it's built on fraudulent activity. I just don't understand it. Like like people like the fucking Shark Tank guy, Kevin O'Leary got in deep with with this fucking FTX exchange and he's out a ton of money. How can someone like that who who built a, his business, you know, and built a lot of their businesses and think are smart pe- people get taken in by th- these people that turn out to be fucking hucksters? Because they they uh, get high on their own farts. They they think uh, that they know better than anyone else. And I mean, Shark Tank's an interesting show, but it does not surprise me that someone who was involved at Shark Tank would think that they know best when it comes to things like this. I guess you yeah, put yourself guess, in a position yeah. of power where you get to be the maker or the breaker. You start to think that. You can't be wrong. Yeah, I guess you start like what was it the learning company he founded? Um, yeah, I guess that's different than knowing about crypto. And you realize hey, I'm smart right. at one thing; you're not smart at everything else. And I mean, yeah. we've talked uh, about that with Tommy Tallarico. We've talked with you know, I, I've talked about that in so many other areas where someone who's good at one. We talked about it with that streamer who decided he wanted to be a game publisher. Like, just be it. It, it, it seems to be Dr. a disrespect big... to the other one. There's more than one. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's multiple. Um, I wasn't thinking about Dr. Disrespect. I was thinking about the guy we just talked about. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, with the indie game stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, it happens all the time. And it seems to be like the big the first step to downfall for a lot of people is assuming that because you could do one highly special specific specified thing mm-hmm. very well that you can do all this other stuff and you can't. And Elon's just clearly been floating from project to project. He's yeah. got the money. Yeah, Eli has has been, um, you know, just came from privilege, obviously, and then sounds like finagled his way here and there. You know, you know, he, you acquire a company like PayPal, you fucking get thrown off the board, and then a few years later, eBay buys PayPal. You get a ton of money, and that's how you build yourself up. You know, it's like you, you get into fortunate positions and you fake it till you make it. But you got to start on third base. A lot of these folks. I, I think well, and that yes, that's very much it. Is they start on third base. It's not that they they don't make any decisions, but they're already primed to succeed. Yeah, and, and if they fail, they're, it's not going to cost them. It's going to cost someone else. Sure. I, I think it'll be interesting to see you know in ten years where this all goes. Um, one to see where these people that we're talking about now where they are, but two, I think it's going to be a lot harder for someone like a Musk or a Taylor Rico. 
to to get to the point that they did in the future. These are people who, you know, came up at a time where the internet was a bit more private before mm-hmm. everyone was living their lives out in the open. Um, I think it's going to, I think there's going to be a lot more receipts and it's going to be a lot harder for people to pull this off in the future. I hope you hope, but I mean, I SBF is a young, he's not even 30. This yeah, guy. no, I know he kind of, it's not like what do you, it's not like there could have been some more transparency of what's been going on. It just did. They, they just didn't even the company itself. It seems like that wasn't tracking what was fucking happening. And oh just, no, he straight up said that they weren't tracking stuff. They were tracking it. How wrong. can you invest money in someone that is just like, yeah, trust me, take, I'll take your hundred million dollars? And I just don't understand it. I, I wow, wow, people, people are uh, SB, SBF unless he pays off a lot of people is going to prison. This is prison shit. This he doesn't is, get fucking shanked. The person, the person that um, was responsible for looking into the Enron thing said, "This is so far worse than Enron." Oh yeah, Enron at least had assets. Enron was like they had assets. They they, they ran shit into the ground, but they had assets. They had stuff of value. This is all cloud shit that's worthless. This is cloud shit. It's fake. It's right. imaginary. It's imaginary. I cannot assets. tell you. Uh, yeah, we cannot uh, tell you uh, <laughs> enough times that this is imaginary bullshit. Yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I hate saying, I, I, I said this literally five years ago on the Not So Common Podcast. I said, this crypto stuff is ridiculous. But people, some people make money. They think they can make, oh, whatever. I just, I, I, I'd almost rather be ignorant of this stuff than seeing the bad shit coming and then warning people and then people don't care. That's almost worse than not seeing the train itself and trying to warn someone, right? Versus saying, hey, the train's coming, versus like, I know what the fuck you're talking about. Right. There's no train. Splat. <laughs> There's no train. You'd rather me not see the train coming and just hear it and turn my back. What? Did someone just get hit by a train? Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> that's basically what it is. Oh, my God. All right, this new Pokemon game comes out. You know I'm a big Pokemon fan, Ian. Yeah, you are. I'm just, uh, <laughs> I am a big Pokemon fan, but yeah, I here's... Love, I love my Poliwhirl. Here's, here's uh, my review. I have played five minutes of it. Oh, Ian. Um, oh, Ian. <laughs> uh, usually what, always play the Pokemon games well, that come out. And I, and I want to, but Pokemon came out when we were dealing with some... That was a particularly rough week sure. dealing with some health stuff, uh, you know, uh, family stuff. And um, honestly, I just haven't had the headspace to start like a big uh, new game. Um, not to bring it up again, I swear to God, we're not paid. Uh, I've played the Atari 50th collection. That's pretty much what I've been playing um, when I sit down for a game. Because I just, I'm not yet at the place where I feel carefree enough to just sit down and start something like uh, a new Pokemon. Sure. Which Everyone is saying is a very fun game with extreme performance issues. Yeah, bring it up. I'm going to adjust the camera while you talk. Okay. Um, you know, people whose opinions I respect on the franchise have talked about it, and apparently the open world stuff is a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's the game now. You can basically choose to go after, like, certain Pokemon, or you can choose to do the uh, the gyms. Basically, you have, you know, you, you can attack anything in any order that you want to. 
basically. Um, and people are enjoying it, but like pretty much every big key release that has come out for the Switch in the past year or year and a half, um, you can clearly see the Switch creaking under the weight of these games. Sure. The Switch, like, it's it's kind of beyond a joke now. Like, we need a Switch upgrade. Uh-oh. He's calling it five and a half years in. Um, He's calling time of death. I, we need something. Uh, and I think Nintendo can make the transition pretty smoothly uh, with backwards compatibility and stuff, but uh, I, I I am I mean Nintendo so, Game Freak Game Freak rushes stuff out. They have to. Well, they have to. They don't have to. They shouldn't. So, okay. um, but like, so something like Zelda is probably not going to suffer as much. But like I said, are they, the time to upgrade the the power? Are the graphics that much better? Or is no, it, they're just they're it's just or is it not or is it not optimized? Well, it's not optimized. But I mean, we look at stuff that Nintendo releases, and it's I mean. You can't optimize the system any further. Okay. You know, there's issues. So, well, I mean, if the, I if, the, if the graphics stay the same as they've been the last few years, why, you know? Well, I, I don't know. Maybe, like I said, I haven't played enough of it to really say. Maybe it can't handle the big open worlds as well um, as, you know, the smaller worlds. Okay. But, I mean, we've seen even Nintendo developed and released games with these problems. I mean, Metroid Dread had frame rate issues. Okay. So, yeah, I just... I love the system, but it really might be time to kind of look at what we're going to do next. Sad, Ian. It's a sad day. Yeah, it's not. Just just give us something that can run the games properly. That's sad, just because, like, you know, NES lasted, like, eh, like seven years before people got off of it. Super Nintendo lasted, like, eh, like six years. I think they years. could release a new yeah. system that people could consider a mid-generation upgrade. I think they can put... Super Switch. Yes. Do the Super Switch. But it, but it wouldn't just be... A, you know what I'm saying? Like, with how this is now, it wouldn't just... They didn't do the mid-system upgrade when everyone thought they were going to around the three-year mark. Sure. So now, instead of waiting another two years, they could just put out, like you said, put out something with backwards compatibility. Super Switch. That's roughly the same price. Because the technology... A little bit more expensive. Because the technology is from at least 2016. Well, people so like have, the, the, the the advancements in the chip technology for that stuff. You could probably do yeah. it for a similar price. And as people have also yeah. pointed out, it was running on old tech. And this we brought this up with the Amico too. It was running on old tech to the point where this old tech is going to get harder and more expensive for them to source. Sure. So why not use something cheaper that's more readily available? Sure. So it's almost like, well, we're doing a new run of switches, but we're going to swap out for the new the new chip that honestly is going to cost us the same as the old one, maybe or cheaper. Yeah. Just do the Super Switch. Have a cutout point where it's like, now you're going to buy the Super Switch going forward, but unfortunately now there's going to be a fork of the new games won't run as well. Yeah. Like, like we still, I mean, we still have... Or they won't. You'd have to cut them off at I some mean, point. still a Breath of the Wild 2 coming yeah. out. When is that coming out? Early next year? When March, is, I believe. They pushed, it, they pushed it back from like December, right? Yeah. Um, so, while, so like that's, they can't do it before that, obviously, because that's going to sell like 20 million you know, right. At least, if not 30 million, Breath of the Wild 2. So maybe that's after that, they decide, okay, now's the point where we start doing it. Because it's going to be six years in, in, in the spring. Is it February? It came out? It came out in February, right? In 2017? March. Uh, something like that. Anyway, we're like, it's, we're almost six full years. Yep. Which is hard to believe, right? I mean, that's nuts. That is crazy. Wow, that came Excuse out. Pre, that came out pre Castle Country. The Switch. Wow, it's the same year right before it. It's a long time. 
It's a long time. There is a barbershop opening in Gloucester that wants you to play retro games. They have retro arcade games and a pool table at the barbershop. Um, don't, don't play pool while getting a haircut. That seems like that's a little risky. Yeah. To do that. Um, getting your taken off. They have a games area and a pool table, a retro Pac-Man and Mortal Kombat arcade machine, a dartboard, as well as a small play area for children. Uh, you look at it and it's actually kind of cute, but they have very, they have like no, <laughs> they have like uh, nothing in there. The space is that's huge. A giga- that's, a, that's like a warehouse space for a barbershop. And they are doing the thing that I, Ouch. I, I always kind of hate to see, but it's popular now and I get it. They have two of the arcade one-ups. Um, they have the Pac-Man and the Mortal Kombat. Um, Give them a pass, Ian. Yeah, it's, it's a barbershop. It's hard to get these places everywhere. Get these machines everywhere. It's interesting, though. Uh, it made me think of, this is this is a better idea than what I'm going to discuss. Uh, a guy that I, I like who uh, uh, cuts hair in Ocean Beach opened his own place uh, like eight years ago. Okay. Whatever it was right before we moved from the Newport location. And he's opened his own place and he comes in and we're chatting because he's always who I got my haircut from. And he's like, I think I'm going to pick up uh, I'm going to pick up a couple PS2s for the uh, for the barbershop. He's like, it might be fun, you know, gives the kids something to do. And I was like, yeah, yeah, for sure. So he picks up a couple. We move. I stopped cutting my hair and I don't see him again for a long, long time. Well, I went and got my haircut about two months ago. And I was like, I don't know where I want to go. I hate trying new barbers. I'm like, I know he's still got this shop. So I went down there and he was there. And it was like, oh, shit. We caught up when we were talking. And I was like, so whatever happened with the video game systems? And he was like, lasted a week. He's like, you ever try cutting a kid's hair who's doing this? That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. You, it's hard for you to say perfectly still when you're playing games. Right. You're, you're like. That seems to be dangerous. He's like, uh, he's like, yeah, I uh, took him and sent them off to family members who could get use out of him. He was like, that was the stupidest idea I've ever yes. had. <laughs> Especially if you're a young kid. Maybe if you're like a teenager or 25 years old, you, right. can, you can stay still. Be like that. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that seems tough. Absolutely impossible. That seems tough. Zero, zero, 35 minutes in right now. 35th minute, by the way. Oh. The game. Oh, it is. Okay, gotcha. thought you were saying we were 35 minutes into the intro. Oh, no, we almost are, oh, okay. actually, at the same time. We started well, right when the game started. Well, about. we'll accelerate. Uh, I That's just fine. wanted to bring this up. I'm not going to bring up her name, uh, but uh, this went around. Uh, I mean, it's public on Twitter. You could if you want. It's sure, but other people have blurred. I mean, whatever. We don't, sure. don't need to invite the attention to her. Sure. Um, uh, but... This tweet from her says, I'm still thinking about this insane video and its coverage of the 2009 Brazil customs debacle. I was on that tour and one of the band members implicated in the structuring lie. If you're wondering whether that had major legal ramifications for all of us, you're correct. This is in reference to the H-Bomber guy video and the bit in there where Tommy Tellerico gets caught. Uh, smuggling $100,000 across the border. Trying to get it back from Brazil after a video games live tour. He was paid uh, in cash and then try to take the cash in without reporting it to the feds. Which is highly illegal. And as we talked about, he said that uh, when he was caught, he said that, oh, I was just regathering the money. I had had distributed it to all of... uh, Certain band members. Certain band members on the plane, and now I'm just collecting it back. And they were like... Well, thank you for admitting to a crime, like to a T. But, but he never did that. 
he was trying to think that that would, would yes. get away with it. Right. Because he's a fucking idiot. Yeah, he never did that. Um, he's just saying that's what he did. But he implicated people, innocent people that had nothing to do with it at all. That's the problem. Um, and this individual uh, who worked with Video Games Live um, was one of the people. Yep. Uh, and she goes on to say, you know, uh, you know, she's never said publicly anything and never said anything publicly until now. It was just a silly clerical error in the report that we all became suspects of Homeland Security. Or so I was told at the time by the guy committing the crime. I uh, generally try to keep personal issues off the Internet. Never saw those court documents until the H-Bomber guy video last week. And they tell a very different story than the one I was given in 2009. So, so okay, Tommy so, says there's a clerical error back in the day. Doesn't explain to them the true gravity of the situation. So it sounds like Tommy gets in trouble. Then it sounds like the individuals either got a, a letter in the mail or contacted by by the feds. And they probably... Uh, this person I call it Tommy was like, hey, what's going on? Yeah, I'm a suspect um, of Homeland Security, and he's like, it's a clerical error. When Tommy didn't say, hey, I, impl- I implicated you in a crime, right. in a federal crime. Exactly. Um, because he's a fucking scumbag. Uh, she says she had always had suspicions that something was missing from the story, and I learned bits over the years that removed some of the wool from my eyes, but I did not expect the revelation to be that he knowingly, blatantly lied about all of us risking our futures to save his own skin. And the reason I bring this up is because I'm tired, I'm tired of people asking like, acting like Tommy is a good guy who's just made some mistakes. He was really passionate about the project and got in over his yeah. head. I'm tired of people coming up to me at a convention and being like, you know, Tommy's a good guy and you guys need to forgive him. No, we fucking don't. Tommy is a huge, massive piece of fucking shit. He's always been a massive piece of fucking shit. He's never cared about you or anyone else that he's like convinced cares about. He doesn't care about any of you. And he will fucking throw you under the bus in an instant to save his own ass. He's garbage. He's a fucking sewer of a person. Done. And, and that and that's before the Amico stuff even. Obviously the Amico amplified it and was his downfall as I it, I knew it would be. We knew it would be his downfall because you can't once the behavior gets seen by a, a much bigger audience, like we said about the E3 video last year, now you can't hide. Now people are going to look into this. He threw young new members of his traveling band under the bus yeah. because he's a greedy fucking piece of shit. And and um, stop fucking defending him. Yeah, I, stop and stop soft pedaling uh, him, saying that you know, oh, he just had these ideas. We wanted to see them through, or he was this was the Amico was going to be good. Uh, for 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 the video game industry, it's like no, it was ne- first of all, it's never was going to be. But second of all, you have to look at the motivations behind the person behind it, and it's never altruism. Nothing altruistic about Tommy Tallarico. No, it's all about fucking slaves. It's all about he, keeping him in the picture and in the conversation because he needs he 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 needs the air. There's a soundtrack Kickstarter controversy we never talked about. That there was a Reddit thread about it, I believe, where like. The, he threw the composer under the bus. The composer was battling back against him. That happened about, I think, four years ago, five years ago. There's a lot of bad shit following this individual for a long time. And I, like I said, like we said last week, I, I would hope it wouldn't take a, a video being seen by a million people to do it. Right. Maybe that's what it takes. But you have to stop covering or ignoring bad behavior from bad individuals because bad things can happen to innocent people when that happens, as we've seen, as we've seen. And to all the people 
you know, obviously the the apologist and or cultist that said, well, he's my friend. I don't care what a video says. I don't know what to say to you anymore. I, I'm not I don't want to make fun of you. I think your brain is is wired incorrectly. That's as nice as way I could say if you can't see these things for what they are, you are brainwashed and that's it. And I'm not even trying to be derogatory. You are literally brainwashed to the point where you cannot see reality anymore. You just can't see it. You, you cannot be a rational individual anymore. And that's sad, but it is what it is. You know, it is what it is. Tommy's not your friend. Uh, Tommy will, won't call you on your birthday or text you. He won't help you out if you're in trouble. Like that, he's not your fucking friend. He used you uh, out there. He used you, as we said before. Ah. The holidays are almost here, and there's plenty of t-shirt cheer thanks to our sponsor, True Classic Tees. Fellas, we have the perfect gift for your wish list. True Classic Tees are a gift for you, for her, and a great present for any guy in your life. True Classic is on a mission to maximize men's confidence by making them look good. Trust me when I say it, this is a gift that the ladies will appreciate too. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men look great in their tees, and now you can save big while you do so. Get 25% off True Classic with our exclusive link, trueclassic.com slash podcast. And the discount doesn't stop there. You'll save even more during their site-wide sale. Support the podcast and check them out at trueclassic.com slash podcast. If you're looking a little bit like Santa, True Classic might be the Christmas miracle you've been waiting for. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on certain body types, while True Classic's team-designed t-shirts to make the fellas of all sizes out there feel confident and comfortable in their clothing. I never like shopping for t-shirts. I hate it. It's nice to have this website. Got them all right there. Your sizes, your colors, they're comfortable and they fit great. These tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's a good look for everyone. Whether it's the gym or a casual date, there's no better look than a fresh tee. They offer other menswear too, ranging from polos to workout shirts, boxer briefs. These are all designed to keep you feeling nice and comfortable. They make it super easy to build out your wardrobe with their elite, true classic quality. They have a pack builder on their website where you can customize the bundle you want and save even more. And for my big guys out there, they have long options for the tall guys in up to triple XL sizes. True Classic also makes the perfect gift or stocking stuffer for all men in your life. Dad bods, we've got you covered. Rip bods, gotcha. Your average Joes, absolutely. Get yourself or someone you love the number one gift on Santa's list. It's a gift for you, but really a gift for her. Get 25% off at trueclassic.com slash podcast. Free shipping is included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com slash podcast. Santa won't be the only one slaying. Thanks to True Classic. Ian. Yes, sir. Do you think digital games will take over in a few years? Yes. As, as per this article on IGN. Where did my article from go? Logan Plant? Um, yeah. So there were some things that were interesting in here that I, I wanted to cover. A lot of it is pretty basic and it's stuff that we've covered before. But they talk about how uh, you know, starting in 2013, I think the uh, sales report for that generation, the sales showed a 10 to 13 percent uh, purchase of uh, 10 to 13 percent of the market covered by digital. Uh, digital. So about about ten ninety split digital and physical um, about ten years ago. Okay, nine years ago. With the start of the uh, the current generation, that was already up to a fifty fifty split. So 
a couple years ago. It's yeah, 50, just 50. a couple uh, years ago. Last year, I think, is what he's referring to. Uh, 50-50 split. When they started selling the consoles, uh, ended. Uh, God, that's right. The consoles have already been out for two fucking years. It was December now, 2020. Yeah. Wow. November, yeah. So up to two years ago, it was 50-50. Obviously, by now, it's probably eclipsed. It's now maybe 60-40, yeah. 55-45, Pat Man. Um, and it talks for, uh, you know, uh, it talks a little bit about uh, how this, you know, came to be. Obviously, COVID is a pretty big uh, factor. But they go on to say that it's certainly not the entire factor. And things were getting that way uh, even before even before COVID. <laughs> I think it's really just digital is extremely convenient. Lots of places have high speed Internet now. We're downloading these games you know, even the biggest ones, maybe an hour and a half, couple hours, you know, depending on your connection. Um, you don't have to go anywhere. And, you know, I think just the basic convenience and the increase in hard drive sizes. Uh, plus, I think people's experience with PC gaming now transfers over to consoles. They're more used to I think more people are occasionally playing games on PC now. And that's all digital. You know, it kind of makes sense for the computer or for the, the, the console as they become more like computers. You look at them more like that, too. You just download the games to your system. You're good to go. Uh, buybacks, you know, trade-ins have never been good. Places, I mean, everyone always complained about buyback prices at GameStop to the point where I think some people would rather have the convenience of just having the games downloaded, you know, rather than, you know, maybe being able to sell them off for $5 later. Sure. Um, I also think COVID, not just because it was safer to just do digital, obviously, during shutdown. Um, a big reason why, you know, digital got popular then was, you know, you didn't have to go anywhere. You didn't have to put yourself at risk. But I think a lot of people stuck in their apartments and their homes looking around start to see that they have all this shit. And, you know, COVID is showing them that they don't need these physical these physical copies anymore. You know, people start offloading physical copies and then you end up, you know, now where people are, you know, getting back out into society and they've changed the way they live pretty significantly over the past two years. And I just don't think a lot of people see the need to go to the store to do the shopping when you can do it from your couch. That, yeah, there's there's a lot going on here. It would have increased regardless of COVID. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Sony and Microsoft, ha you know, have their digital only versions of consoles. Oh, yep. it's Microsoft. Does Sony have theirs too? Anyway. Yeah, so there's a PS5 yeah. with no disc. So they already were gearing up for that before COVID. Like, it was planned. It was in place before they came out. Yes. They said, okay, we're going to incentivize you to get off physical by charging whatever it was, $100 less per console. That's a lot of money to some people. That's a lot. $100 is not a small uh, a chunk of change to some people. That, that's uh, a game and half of a controller. Like, that's, that's big. That's, that's significant. Especially if you're, like, saving up. If you're, like, a, someone in your 20s or... Say, that makes it a Christmas gift to someone as opposed to just a console. They can't do anything with it. Say you're, like, a, you know, a, you know, a, a single-income uh, household. You have only mom, only mom and only dad. Or only dad's working. That's a lot of money, $100, to do that. So there you go. So that's, like, the start of, like, you don't need physical anymore. The companies are literally telling you, you don't need... Physical games anymore. We are incentivizing you not to do it because obviously they get a bigger cut of digital versus in the store. It's yes. less, it, there's no production costs, things like that. That's the first step. <laughs> we used to always opine, probably even like six, seven years ago, these digital games are always the same price as the physical games. Why, why the hell should you buy digital games? That's changed. Now there's a lot more sales a lot quicker on digital games. They still so come out at the retail price, but if you wait 
I, I, I mean, I don't even check anymore because I, I rarely use my PS4, but like Sony, I, I should have looked at their Black Friday. I mean, they slash the prices on those fucking games. Nintendo now even has sale, sales on stuff. Once in a while, $40. But, but they do. They do, which is not something they ever did. They, but now they are because even they right. probably realize, hey, we can be protective of our prices, but we're still making probably the same amount of profit at $40 digital versus a $60 physical. It's probably just about the same amount of money uh, to us potentially that we're fine doing that. So that's, that's the tipping point. That's it. When people actually start seeing, well, Ian, yeah, I can't trade in the game anymore, but that's not going to matter if I'm paying $30 less. Sure. That's it. That, that's, that's what people need. That's the push. And we're not even talking about you know, stuff like PS Now, Microsoft Game Pass. When I look at that, if I was like a 20-year-old, I'd be like, I'll never buy a game at $60 ever again. I'll, sure. just, I'll just spend whatever it is a month. What is it, 10 15 bucks a month? $15 a month. 15 bucks a month. And I'll never, you know, I may never get my fill of games ever. And, and obviously, a, a long term, that could be very harmful to the industry, as we've seen it has. As it's and we've been, discussed that, yeah. As it's been with, with um, movies, it's been terrible for stifling creativity uh, with, with streaming content versus the death of physical media and with, uh, you know, movie theaters. Uh, it's been awful uh, for that, getting rid of that revenue stream. And it's going to be, to some extent, as bad for that as well. The, the one caveat, though, is it's a lot cheaper to make smaller video games than it is smaller movies. A small movie still takes a tens of millions of dollars. A small game doesn't. So that's the one thing where it probably won't be eliminated the same. Like, like the, the medium-sized movies are basically gone at this point. For video games, I don't think it's going to have that same effect. There's still be. We'll... Uh, I feel like we're already seeing a lot of okay. medium-sized uh, games g- gone. Like I, I, I've talked about that the the single A or triple B titles that used to fill okay. shelves I think in the 360 and PS3 to air, they're already l- largely gone. I think there'll still be a place for them. I still think they'll they'll, they'll be supported by larger studios to extent, or maybe you know Sony and Microsoft throwing money at them to get them exclusive on their on their platforms or Epic Game Store. But anyway, so that's the difference. Speaking of Epic Game Store, the the, the and, and them giving away games for free, freaking Star Wars Squadrons is free right now. Uh, until, you have until two days to get it, Ian. You might as well get it. So like all these that. things being done, they're throwing either they're throwing money at you or free stuff at you to get you to do digital. It's free games. Why wouldn't you do it? Or they're decreasing the prices where, okay, even if I wait like three months, I can get a discount on this on this digital game. And obviously, they don't care. They're still making a lot of money. And, and the, uh, the publishers don't care that much because they're still getting a, a pretty good cut. And they're, it's increasing, it's increasing uh, awareness by doing the sales in on themselves. I don't know some of these games until they go out of sale. Oh, that's on sale? Okay, maybe I'll check it out. So I haven't checked this in a while. So it's interesting. Uh, Xbox Game Pass. I have it. I just haven't checked it in a while. It's like Netflix. You have yeah. it. You take it for granted. And you know, yeah. you don't, there's, you don't. Some, there's some stuff on here that I'd like to play. So. Exactly. So it's all these factors that I think it'll take over. It's not going to eliminate it. Physical games will not be eliminated for at least this generation. At least. But I, I, I don't mean this console generation. I mean like physical human generation. I, it'll always be around because we don't. We're not the only. Like I said, there's second world countries out there that are still getting up, building up infrastructure. Yeah. That's going to take 30, 40 years. Uh, but yes, yeah, I'm surprised. It's, it's, it's probably more than 50-50 by now. You said it's 50-50 like by a couple years they ago. They said, yeah, with the um, launch of that oh, generation. It's absolutely 50-50. maybe 60-40 by now. It has to be. I just um, We've kicked the can down the, the hallway on GameStop so many times, but I feel like this, I mean, it's... They got a reprieve from the meme stock bullshit. Yes. 
But like this is it. But that's it. There's no games they're, to sell back to them. They're they're back. Yeah, there's no games to sell back. The games don't have fucking anything on them anymore. <laughs> so that's true too. So yeah, you can buy a you can buy the, the game that has an installation file on it. Uh, you know, ten years from now, but you can't. They're gonna have to. GameStop's gonna have to have warning labels on games if they're still around ten years from now. Hey, you can buy this from us, but it won't function anymore. Like that's gonna be a fucking nightmare to deal with that. You imagine right. that. How they even like they're going to be gone by then? I think they're they're not going to exist. There'll be like like a hundred and fifty of them left. We'll just say in other nations they won't be here probably at that point. Imagine trading someone. Oh, you can't accept that trading on this game for PS Five because the servers aren't aren't here anymore. What? It's going to have to be in their system every single game. They're going to have to update that in their system every month probably. You know. I think there are a few games yeah. that like you know have come out in the past few years that they didn't accept you know tradebacks on they because. Know. Of you know how like the games as service stuff like I don't think they took back certain destinies. Anyways, it's yeah they're on their way. Uh, in Sony's, this is from the article. In Sony's full game software results for the three quarters of the current fiscal year, digital sales accounted for seventy four percent, fifty nine percent, and fifty three percent overall sales. So that's past the tipping point. Yeah, that's way past it. Uh, Nintendo's uh, digital sales uh, were lower. Still, uh, still at large, 40, 41%, which was an increase of 12.3%. Nintendo's always physical first. It's just built into, I guess, the ethos of Nintendo for some reason. So that's going to be slower. But their increase, digital sales increase, was 105% when compared to 2019. So, so it, that's, a, that's doubling year over year uh, for right there. So that's, that's significant. That's significant. And then and this article has, has – they're talking to people in the industry, veterans, about uh, what their thoughts are. But, um, yeah, like we said, it, it, it even says in the article, rising digital numbers do not necessarily spell doom for physical games. They'll be around. Yes. They'll be able to buy them. But it's, they're not going to be pumped up to the same numbers. They're not going to be produced to the same numbers. They just won't. No. Be and, and, and the thing um, is, is places like Walmart and Target will continue to sell them because it makes sense to sell them as part of something else. Yes. But you're not the, – the, the need uh, for focused physical game stores is going to – obviously, this does not mean retro and used game stores. But, like, the corporate games, there's just no need for them. Yes, because part of this will be – there's politics involved. The big box retailers will go to Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, and be like, "You got to produce some of these, you know, because we have to sell these consoles as well." And people will be less likely to walk in and buy these consoles. We want to do the add-ons. We want it. It'll be part of the whole package. Yes, it's a smaller profit margin, but it's probably part of the whole thing. You can't have to. I can't picture them having display areas in the future where there'll just be literally a corner of the console and just the controllers and no games. Right. That'd be bizarre. Right. It would be. It, it would not look like a sellable. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be look look a healthy like ecosystem for them to even put in their stores. If that makes sense. When you when uh, you think about it, though, it's like like video game stores. So many other industries and like, uh, um, sort of looking for markets, demographics, basically very few things that you need to go buy have standalone stores anymore mm -hmm. because you can get your kitchenware at target. You can get your shoes at target. You can get your, you know, your underwear at target. You can get everything at target. Same thing with, you know, Walmart and stuff like that. All these department stores kind of cater to one thing that it feels weird to go to a store just for video games. Sure. Sure. So uh, let's see. One of the S's was six or seven years. It'll be all digitals. A couple of people are mostly digital. 
Uh, it's never going to be all digital, but yeah, it might be. What do you want to say? It's going to be ninety percent at some point, eighty-five percent. I'll just say we'll just say like eighty percent to me will be like the the point where it's like the vast majority because again, taking into account other parts of the world and things like that. Uh, yeah, well, check out the article; it's interesting. Um, there's also as they say they might cut pull the plug. Some publishers pulling the plug in physical game production entirely. I don't see that happening. No, neither do I. You're leaving money on the table doing that. You're unnecessarily leaving money on the table. I don't see that happening. That's where I would disagree with with some industry quote unquote veterans or, or experts on that. That doesn't make any sense because, like I said, digital infrastructure is not the same worldwide. It's not the same in the military. Uh, you know, Ford operating bases, satellite internet is is spotty and it's not as as fast. Things like that. So, any other any other takeaways from this or? No, I think we covered it. I think we really nailed that article. We did a great job. We did a great job. A great and job. again, this has nothing to do. We're not. <laughs> we we have not said whether this is good or bad for game preservation. That's a totally different conversation. We're just talking about where. Yeah, no, I'm not saying going. this is good or bad. I'm just saying I, I, this is where I think this it, is where it's headed. This, this is where it's headed. headed. And we have an interesting eBay auction. I think we can get a little discussion out of here. I think we can. We can. I feel like I can get less discussion out of this than the last one. I didn't realize you swapped them, but we will do what we can. Uh, and there is a lot of 127 TurboGrafx-16 games um, being sold on eBay. Condition is listed as acceptable. Uh, the current bid is $5,955. This will end tonight on yes. the 29th, by the way. So get in early. There are 31 I, bids. Uh, I saw this brought up uh, last week, and our pal Chris Kohler tweeted about it, saying he just discovered today. And it reminded me, because I should have put it on the docket, and I did it. So this is interesting. This isn't like tw- like like 20 world-class baseballs and 10 Keith Courage's and a few bonks. These are mostly all individual games. This is the vast this is 95% of a North American CD and Hue card library. That's what's impressive about this. About 134 games about 137 in the US. Okay, I was gonna, I thought it was 140. This says 127. Okay, yeah, it's close. It's, it's like 95%. Yeah, it's close. Okay. It's close. Yeah. It's close. The list is on the site. Here's the thing about it these were recovered from a fire they are manual and either cd or uh hue card only and i don't know if that means that the case is melted partially and that's why there's no cases to me it's bizarre no that no. would that makes perfect sense but to me it's that's not what listed it is. because like i you almost never see cd games without a case because the case helps no 100 yeah. it's i would say it's because i've seen like games get you know, from a fire before, and the plastic just warps and gets all crazy. So, I, so, so these were probably pulled from whatever cases there actually were. It's interesting, though, because you would hope that you can pull the inserts off the back of the... If the manuals aren't burnt up, you'd think maybe the back inserts from the case... Well, the he side? says that the manuals are pretty bad. So, oh, they don't look burnt up, but you say they're bad? Okay. So he says they are. Okay. Um, so basically, as we've said, recovered from a fire... Manuals have smoke damage, no cases or boxes. They say the Hue cards are pristine and have been tested and they work. Okay. So that's a bunch of loose, good Hue card games. The CD games have not been tested, but he's run the CDs through some software and they have been recognized as readable. However, he can't guarantee that the CD games work. No way to test it. The manuals have received the brunt of the damage. They have spots of discoloration and smell bad. Maybe you can deodorize them or something, or you can just throw them away. Nevertheless, I wanted to put them in the lot and let you decide what to do with them. All the manual covers look good. The ends are singed, and there's discoloration on the okay. back covers. You do Some of these do have, like, look at Military Madness. Like, you can see on the top, 
there are like burn marks coming in. Sure. Some do not have that. Some definitely do. So depending, I guess depending on how close they were to the fire, extra protection, I don't know if some were in the box or not. Sure. Um, it would have been nice to have seen if they existed, just the inserts pulled out, even if they were damaged, because you can always find another CD case and put the spine and back into that. Sure. That's just a thing. Or maybe they didn't have them. Like, we don't know here. But either way, this is a strange auction because you are taking a risk on the CD games. And that's where a lot of the value is. There's obviously value in here. I'll just say this. There's no magical chase in here. No. If there's magical chase in here, then this is automatically worth it just because that alone at this point is worth five grand, just the, uh, the Hue card and the manual. Even damage, you get multiple thousands of dollars. Then there's the rest. But this is a pretty fucking hearty list of games. This gets you to where you want to go. Tadma's there. Uh, Bonk 3 Terraforming is there. is there. Bonk 3 CD. You said Sid Mead's Terraforming is there? Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw that. Terraforming, yes. yes That's there. multiple thousands on its own. That's yeah. That was the last game I got. That's incredibly hard to find. That was a low production run on that. Uh, you have Dynastic Hero on here. Dynastic Heroes on here. Yep. That's worth uh, at least a couple grand complete, probably at this point. So there's a lot here. However, not having the cases really, really hurts, um, especially for the CD games. That that you'll never rep, you'll never be able to find loose cases for some. You'll never find a loose Sid Mead's terraforming case. You just won't. You'll never find a dynastic hero. And that's the problem. I, um, when it comes to like loose and manual stuff for a popular system, you want to collect for that's fine. NES, Genesis, whatever. Like do it. You'll you'll find that um, stuff eventually. But it took me five years to find a disc only copy of a relatively popular game for the PC Engine, which is. Um, uh, Star Parodier. Okay. Um, I mean, and that's in that's in Japan where it was popular. Now take it to the U.S., reduce the popularity reduce. in the print run, and mm-hmm. then try to find something random for it. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. I mean, you have Super Arizon here. Like I said, this is ninety five percent of the game library in North America. That's a lot of money. You have the, uh, the, the two Valus games. You have games even like Yobro are hard to find. You know, things like that. Are a it really comes down to just like how how. Like, who's, who's this for? Is this for a reseller? I think it's for a reseller. I honestly think reselling is the way you go with this. Loose Hue card games will always sell, and then the cases, the CD games, I'd probably just ditch the manuals. If the CD games work, put them in a slim jewel case, sell them as loose. Uh, you'll, you'll a, a, a reseller will sell this stuff, and they will make their money back, especially if it only goes for as much as it's listed for right now. Yeah, so, like I said, some of the manuals, some are wor- like what's what's uh, what's that yellow CD case in the front there? Uh, Buster Brothers. That's a bad manual. That's in like the top right of which pick is that? That's a bad manual. Bravo Man is really burnt. Some are not as badly burnt. So, like they'll be acceptable to people just to have. I don't think you just toss them. Well, you can go through them. I think yeah. what really matters is if they stink. But throw them in a box with a bunch of fucking fabric software yeah. sheets and see what happens. You're not throwing out a Camp California manual. That's a hard game to find. Yeah. You know, this whether the CDs work, could you refinish them if they were slightly no. If, if they're if, dead, if they're, they're not. Mel- if they were melted, if they're dead, bit. it's nothing that refinishing them. If, if they got heat damaged, refinishing what is not the, gonna do anything. Uh, we look up CD heat damage, like CD heat damage. I mean, it warps it. You're just fucked at that point. The laser well, gets crazy. Well, they don't look warped. They don't like. I mean, they look. Oh, like I mean, that's so- what the heat damage would be, though. Sure. I'm just thinking maybe they'll they melt them. Yeah, I see what you're sure. saying. Sure. Um, but they said they were readable in a computer. So I mean, yes. I mean, I think uh, they're doing the right thing here. They're saying, hey, we cannot guarantee this, but data shows up in a computer. 
Uh, here's an article from 2013 from MakeUseOf.com. How hot can CDs get before being damaged? Um, this is saying over 100 degrees. You can get there. That seems like that's a little bit low. Um, let me see, let's see if I can find a definitive answer. Most players will only get the temp barely over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which is not even close to what is required to cause it to burn. Oh, they're talking about the, the, talking about the heat inside of a system. Yeah. Okay. So I was what? I say systems get above 100. Uh, this person that saying, is a soldier blade. Jesus. Uh, this person is saying over 200 degrees. That seems like it's too high uh, for that. <laughs> uh, storage says between you should go. It can go between negative 10 and 23 degrees Celsius. What is 23 degrees Celsius? Uh, Got to do the the pat man. Seventy three degrees. Now you can go above that. Um, I don't know. We get, we need definitive answer on that because that to me is what you know. A fire is obviously above uh, what is fucking uh, Fahrenheit four five one. So yeah. you're getting four hundred fifty one degrees. So maybe it can maybe it can sustain uh, sustain a hundred and fifty degrees, a hundred and eighty uh, under boiling. I don't know. No one take my words for plastic? this. But Burnett, if plastic. I had the money to spend on this and I was interested. I would take the CDs being readable in a drive in some way, shape, or form as a good sign that they're fine. Because the damage you're most likely to have with the CD is it becoming warped and unreadable. So if it's readable, it's probably fine. Uh, so the melting point range of certain plastics I'm looking at now, there's a whole bunch of different plastics. It looks like it varies uh, 120 degrees, 180 degrees. There's a bunch of different things. Maybe the plastic on the outside, the cases took took it for the team. They took one for the team. Maybe they maybe they took the the brunt of the heat and and, and protected it. Well, I mean, uh, that's probably what happened, right? They burned the plastic in, and, and that it protected it a little bit. An old pail of ours work. An, an old pail of ours from uh, Retroware. Uh, uh, Mike had a bunch of uh, his games damaged by heat. Okay. Um, and I believe that some of the CDs did still work. Some of them did not, but a lot of them did because the cases did the case take the it. yeah the case yeah. took the brunt of the damage. So six thousand uh, dollars. If I you, you put a gun to my head, if this all works, this is worth four times that potentially. Yes. yes. Um, and that's why it'll probably go gun to my head. It'll go for around ten grand, maybe, which will be half of the resale value for a reseller. I think you know this. A collector might be into this if they just want to play the games. They might, and just say, "I want the collection. I have money. I want to get it all at one time." Here, it's very hard to piece these together individually. Very that's what we're difficult. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to especially happen. the CD games. And this is where it kind of falls apart for me, though. I think reselling is the best thing you do here. You buy it and you resell it because I don't think the Turbo Graphics is so niche that. I don't think there's anyone out there collecting physical for it at this point with how expensive it's gotten that doesn't want everything complete. And the other piece, case, yeah. And the other people who are interested in turbo graphics have long since or PC engine have long since gone to Mr. or flashcarts or something like that. I don't see there being Again, it's not like a big system with a, a wide swath of people who collecting for it. Sure. This is very specific. I don't think there's a market for anyone to buy this as their own collection. Sure. I think this makes Ooh. most sense. If a store can get it for about this price, you sell it all out. Ooh, that cotton CD looks bad. It, uh, hopefully that was one of the ones that worked. Did it say certain ones didn't work at all? It didn't say which ones. Um, it says I've ran... The, the CDs. Okay, so more. So it's just funny. The the the, the um 
the manual in the worst condition is Cosmic Fantasy. You can still buy those brand new. Yeah, I was going to say bucks. that. That's actually not that big of a deal. <laughs> that's actually the one. That, or, or the deal was that one put in the front of the fire to take the brunt. Um, and we must say, obviously, we have to be correct about this. Some of the games like Darkwing Duck, there, there's two of those, and like Bong Three, there was no case for them. So right, you're getting off a little bit easy. Yeah, you know, something like Jackie Chan, uh, later games, TTI games. There's no Soldier some of these Blade. games. Uh, Soldier Blade. How many games don't have cases? Like thirty or. Something like 30 don't have 40, something like that. Like about 30 uh, are TTI games that don't have case, something like that. 20 to 30. It's not a huge amount uh, like that. Stuff like, uh, uh, like uh, God, I'm going I'm to forget which ones. But you know what I mean? So like it's not as big of a deal like Bong 3. Some of these don't have it. Yeah. Uh, does Hit the Ice have it? I always forget if Hit the Ice is the one that has it, one or I not. I think Hit the Ice does have one. Okay. That might be Could in be the wrong. order. Uh, but anyway, so it's interesting. It, it's you don't usually think this is someone that had a near complete collection. I feel awful for them, by the way, because who knows what else was lost in this fire. Right. This is the only thing for auction from this seller. So I don't know how they were acquired. Well, and they also uh, say they have a PCE lot to put up too that was also damaged in a fire. Oh. Okay. That means they're going to be looking at that. One. Unlikely. <laughs> Unlikely. I tried to get stuff. You don't want to go in halvesies on that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, like a reseller grabs these, and then maybe they're missing a case here. Maybe they're missing a card there from a case, and they'll piece together like twenty or thirty ones. Because even I've acquired cases over the years without having, you know, without having a, a Hugh Carter. You know, it, it does happen even with Turbo Graphics stuff. I, I find you do find loose stuff. Sure, it's just not again for these CD games. Good luck finding some yep, of these. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. You'll be, you'll be, it'll be like you, you, you might as well get the PC engine version and stick in the US stuff mm-hmm. at that point just to have it. Ian, we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash CU podcast. You go, uh, you know, if you want to support us with a little yeah, cash, know. that's great. Um, and then you get the full video podcast. You get writings about once a week. You get hangouts that we do. Uh, we just did one this past weekend. Uh, you get to vote in these poll topics that we're going to discuss. You can also join the pin club. Uh, and there's bonus podcast stuff available, too. We do little little morning podcasts before we start this one. This week, we talked about all the Thanksgiving food we ate and cooked. Live update. Update. U.S. up. one nothing. 46 minutes. Woo! All right. No high five. Yes. Didn't want to all leave right. you hanging. My bad. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> in second place, thoughts on VR and the new PSVR2 price tag, 18%. That's a low amount because Ian came up with a banger of a first option. Ian came through. What company, video game company, deserves the Atari 50 celebration treatment next? What company, individual company, we're going to talk? I feel like one's pretty obvious, but we're going to hold on that one for a second. There's a couple of obvious ones, but go ahead. Yeah, um, I wanted to say a non-obvious one, um, so it's not such a home run of a topic. I would love to uh, an easy uh, score. Uh, Namco. Namco has been around. They've been around for a long ass time. Their first games came out, I think, in the seventies. I think Namco's been around though since the fifties. Let me look at it right now. Because they the fiftieth anniversary Namco collection came out. Electromechanical game, nineteen sixty five Periscope. Wow. Okay. 
And then after that, they had electrical mechanical games in the 70s. Even into the 80s, they had a few electromechanical games. They had a, a pitching in 1980, uh, incorporating a pitching machine, an arcade base game. Wow, one of Japan's top 10 earners, uh, highest earning games of the 80s. I'm in. I want to learn about this shit. Yep, exactly. I want to learn about it. I think Namco uh, would have an absolutely fascinating history. And I think in the hands of someone like Digital Eclipse, uh, you could very easily kind of apply that uh, same same template. Sure. Um, and I think that there could be something to be said about recreating certain mechanic electromechanical games so that people can kind of try to experience them oh, on a TV. Or even just give me the history of it. Or just the history. Yeah. Right. Run me through. Give me the pictures. Give me some. Give me. Scan, give me uh, yeah. Give me some the poster, flyers. Some Japanese poster. Yep. Um, yeah. Let me look at it. Uh, I think that their early arcade stuff is obviously, again, like Atari, I think Namco could be interesting because we've seen a lot of the Namco arcade stuff. It gets released on collections. They put out new collections every once in a while. They shuffle up what games they're throwing on there and they get them out there. Sure. But I would love to be able to go through Namco's early arcade games in a timeline done just like... Like, what would be your cutoff year if, like, for the, like their arcade stuff? So I would probably start with if I wanted to really start with it. I'd pro- uh, what's the name called? Like, QB BB nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, I'd probably want to start Namco's with Namco's first independently released yes. video game. I want to start with GB uh, because that was also created, I believe, by Taru Iwatani. So it's the same. I believe that's yep. by the same guy who did Pac Man. Okay. So I would love to start there, see the evolution of that. Um, they don't have a console like um like atari did but i still think it'd be very interesting to see to have another timeline of the console ports of namco games again they may not not all be fun but it's interesting to look at that stuff in context it's it's a lot of fun to flip between like for instance on the atari collection go between the arcade timeline and the home console timeline and kind of see how things line up um, I would love to see some of the like you know the the early ports like uh well of course like a uh, Pac Man I'd want to see um, and I would love to see them go through the home conversions that they did kind of for the Famicom again you no need to be able to play all of them but include them some of them are really good conversions and they're worth looking at um, and then <coughs> the um, I would definitely want to pick back up. This is just, like I said, I've thought about it, not all the way through. I would want to pick it back up in the um, early to mid-90s and really focus on the arcade stuff they were doing at the time. I want to focus on air combat. I want to focus on Alpine Racer. I I want people to talk about uh, Ridge Racer. I want that weird Namco game that, like, me and five other people have played where you pedal on the bike. Prop Copter, uh, I think is what it's called. Point Blank was in the mid-90s. Point Blank. Yeah. Uh, you know, Namco, we all look back on Namco, rightfully so, is like this, time you know, crisis. is at time crisis as this like early, um, you know, uh, these, these, progenitor. The, these early progenitors of arcade games and video yeah. games. I don't think anyone focuses cyber Sled, No one focuses enough on all of the cool shit that Namco was fucking doing the tech. in the nineties. Yeah. They were doing great great stuff when you walked into they, an arcade what were you loving you were loving the namco game soul the, caliber tekken did they do the snowboarding game were you actually on the snowboard did they do that one no the well i the skateboarding game was done by sega okay 
I don't know if there was a snowboarding one and who did it. Okay, I'll look it up. They did the horse racing game. There is just like the the amount of cool shit to go over. Yeah, we've covered Namco's past and I want to do that too. But I would love like like the Atari collection did. There's five different timelines. There's a lot I think that should be said about Namco's arcade stuff in the 90s. And I would love interviews with people who are around them. Okay. What kind of freedom were they given? Because they're making all of these massive, cool machines. Yeah, it, it, obviously you, you, you'd have um, the cultural barrier and, and the... Uh, sure. And the language barrier isn't much of a thing. It's just finding these folks that worked on this stuff 40, 50 years ago in Japan, It's they might be less likely to talk. Hopefully they will. The issue you have just from a... From a uh, perspective of feasibility is the amount of games that Namco has. Right. You would have to pick it's and choose gigantic. very clearly. Gigantic. You would clearly have to pick so and choose. It's almost like you need, you need cutoff dates. You need one for like up to like 90 and like one after. You'd have to like do it would be like, you know, you can't something like 250 games on it, whatever the amount is. It's it's nuts how many games Namco has had. I think you would um, do like a 78 to um, probably 84. Okay. And then I would say, I mean... Or start with the electromechanical ones in the 60s. Yeah, go to 84. Um, no, you know, I don't know. I feel like there's uh, something to be said about going I up mean, to right before Pac-Man. That's the thing. It's like people would say, could argue, you can do this just for like Pac-Man games on its own. Or just do like the 80s arcade games on right. their own. And that would be its own volume. Like there's... There's different ways you can package this. Yeah, well, I'm not, the produ- I'm not the one trying to produce this and say, okay, yeah, but like using the razor to cut stuff down just right would be very difficult here. Yes. But as I've learned from the Atari collection, I actually am a bit more interested in a lot of these games just learning about them than I am playing them. Yes. So they could, they could skip a lot, but I would love to see some playable stuff too, clearly. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be very interesting to hear about you know, I, I don't know how many interviews Iwatani's done about Pac-Man, but that would be great to hear the process sure. of, of how that went. Is he still around? Well, that was Iwatani. Iwatani? I'm pretty sure he is. Yes. Let's see. Kuro Iwatani. It's got to be in the 60s at least by now, right? Oh, no. I think he's... 67. Much... 67. Oh, okay. Yeah, remember, those folks were youngsters doing yeah, this back true. then. Yeah, it's true. They're the ones... Old people don't understand technology back then. They're, you know... Um, 67. Yeah. Get, get them on record. Um so that's it, obviously that's a great one because when you think of like companies that didn't have a console that produced video games, but Namco was one of the top three or four, or five big ones you'd think of. That was what I was uh, trying to challenge myself with. Fair. Like Nintendo, I think is obvious we and would be great. Alex and I talked about that. Like you can you can put out three different, four different volumes of that. Sega, yeah. you could do the same thing. These are all companies that have an early history. You know, their burgeoning 80s arcade Sega history. Would, They've got their systems that they can go through. Sega is the closest analog to Atari because they were once on top of the world. They had all the arcade right. games and they fell off, and, but they still make games. But structure-wise, so Atari, I mean, you could literally they, drop Sega into the, the mold. Yes, that's why I said, like, and plus Sega's desperate to come up with good ideas. They should steal Atari's uh, digital clips idea and do it. They should hire digital clips to do the Sega version because it would make the most sense. But I and, wanted, and, they're, and they're about the same age of a company in yeah. terms of like they had seventies arcade stuff, yep. and they got popular in the eighties, and they had their consoles. Like Sega would make the most sense because it would be the the similar size of library to do up, to, even if you cut off a certain point and didn't do, um, you know, didn't do their two thousand and two thousand ten stuff and just stop with the Dreamcast, you could do it. <laughs> but I don't yeah. know how to say it. It's just like you know, I wanted to uh, think about it and not do an easy answer. And uh, Namco is really. 
I mean, I, I love Namco. Obviously, sure. I always but have. They're but, but they're the cl- they're the game company that has the history that has the amount of history without the hardware yes. side of the business. Yes, they're the biggest one, probably. Save for maybe like maybe like a Capcom, like you know, like they're probably up there. Konami's probably down a little bit, but yeah, they're, sure. Yeah. But what makes Capcom uh, is Capcom obviously has arcade games, but like I, I just feel like they identified themselves as a console player sooner than Namco did. Namco hung around in the arcades for a while. I don't know. It's, okay. it's hard for me to. I, I have I have a it. couple of thoughts. I, I almost want to do it for a company that people don't know about as much or would be interesting to hear because you'll never hear about it i i would love to hear this no no they would never do it uh they did an snk one but they didn't snk <laughs> didn't have a bunch of interviews though right um i would love to to, to snk one uh had a lot of really good info but no i don't think there was any okay. real interviews i'm not certain this one you could get interviews for because it's a u.s company or they used to work. It would just be tough. I would love to know what happened with uh, you know Coleco's video game history. I would love to know sure. inside knowledge of starting in the seventies. What the thought of was we're going to try to compete, you know, with Atari and, and we're going to try to compete with Magnavox and put out our our Pong clones. And that seems interesting. That'd be uh, really fun, me. but I, uh, it, you couldn't necessarily fit it in the same sort of format. Well, I mean, you could. You could talk about. I guess just smaller people. and more truncated. Yeah, you can still put in the timeline. Yeah, uh, and maybe have some of the games be. What playable. a great idea! The timeline was for these collections. Yes, I mean, it's just. And then they kind of followed Atari's path up until the mid '80s when they were out of the game industry. But then you get to the you get to the '80s. I'd love to hear how the deal came together with Nintendo. Sure. In the earlier, I, I, and how they got Don Kong's package. That's a fascinating story to hear to be interviewed. Hey, we went to Japan. We got in a boardroom with Nintendo. Like, that's an interesting fucking story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people from Connecticut Leather Company going over, you know, to Japan. Like, that would be an interesting story. And then, what <laughs> I, it? You agree. I, yeah, like, I, what the I fuck? agree. Yes, that would be. Before Nintendo even thinks about, you know, doing their own console, or it's just a, it's an idea in their mind. Well, we're, maybe we won't break into the U.S., so we'll just. They, they had a, 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 some of the best. ColecoVision games were Nintendo games. Their Donkey Kong Two, uh, Donkey Kong Junior was great. Yeah, on it. The first Donkey Kong is great on that. Um, I forget how good the Popeye was. Even good, obviously, better than the Atari one. Um, that would be interesting to me. How how they navigated that whole thing and 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 how they did that. How the the the, the controller packs. The, the, you know, Atari coming after them for the module. You know, like things like that are super fucking interest, interesting to me. Um, and again, that's a U.S. company, so you could interview a lot of those folks there. And then the Adam and how that was a bad decision. Like, and it's not a huge amount of time. You could literally do every single game from Coleco, Besi- besides the ones where there's um, some licensed stuff, like the Rocky game. Did they even develop that one? Who did that? But because uh, but there was a Star Wars for it too. Exactly, but you could get like Atari a chunk of their history in in one package for like forty bucks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to see how many first party versus third party uh, were on ColecoVision. Uh, let's see, publisher, publisher, uh, publisher. I it's about it's about a third, forty percent. It looks like were Coleco published. You know what? It's not gonna. It would not cost you that much amount of money to get these iMagic games licensed. Uh, the Parker Brothers games. You're no. not gonna be able to get the James Bond license or probably the Popeye <laughs> one again. Uh, Popeye was a Parker Brothers one by that point. Okay, and Qbert. I think you get. I think you get some of these though. Who the fuck owns Spectra Video Games? I don't know, but I think there's enough of a story. <laughs> 
you can even talk about like you know like campaign 84 what a weird freaking game that is oh yeah uh, on there that's like i love that i love it when that comes they up. had the zonix double ender games i'm not saying you gotta talk about all of these games but i think there's enough on here that you could make a go of it because it's a it's a u.s company um they were doing other things like Atari at, at the time. And I, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I do too. It, it's a geeky thing that I think could appeal to some people just on a server. It's like, okay, we take the same exact approach as Atari, but it's Coleco. We have the same amount of interviews. We have this weird behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, I'm not sure they had a bunch of, but let's see, they had any canceled hardware like like the Atari uh, Cosmos. I don't know if they did, uh, but anyway, that's, that's my thing. I'm going to push for Coleco. Good. I, I, I've learned recently that good context and good presentation can reignite my interest in just about anything, sure. even stuff that I, I, I don't generally like. Um, uh, for instance, uh, when um, Video Game History Foundation, when Frank and Kelsey did that NES museum uh, like three, four years ago, one of the things I specifically said to Frank was... This was really fucking cool, and it's probably the most I've cared about Nintendo in a decade. I was rarely very interested. There's that before Mario book that sort of covers some of that stuff. Yeah, so that was very cool. And then it's the same thing with Atari. Like, sure, I like I have my Atari games I like, but honestly, I never really I don't think about Atari a lot. I don't think a lot of their games, you know, translated well home. They haven't been a, a player in the market for a long, long time. But you put it into this context in a nice museum exhibit-like setting where I can read a little, play a little, learn something stupid. It suddenly reinvigorated my interest in it. And now, again, it's like, okay, yeah, fucking A, Atari. So, like, it really can take something mundane like the Coleco. Well, not mundane, not but, mundane like, but unknown. But unknown, like the Coleco yeah. story. And you put it in that context, and suddenly it's like you're watching an interactive you know, uh, documentary. Or like, like everyone has said, you're walking through a museum exhibit. And yeah. I like that. It's a little bit different. And then the other thing is that the problem is for my other suggestion or companies is that they're not console based. Um, there's got to be at some point something done about Sierra. There has to be. Yeah, there has to be. I don't know what format. I don't. would love it, to see Lucasfilm or LucasArts uh, get that treatment too. Luca, uh, any other. The two big, you know, fucking point and click adventure game, pl- uh, you know, players. That's the thing. Maybe I think maybe Sierra could would be have enough known properties to do something like that. But but then something like Infocom. Oh it, God, I would love an Infocom one. Something like that might be tougher. Plus, they're not bite-sized games like the Atari game. So, would like would it right? Makes, the problem with yeah. Infocom is like it'd be nice you to have that, sample, but you can't be like, okay, yeah. let me try yeah. this for two let seconds. Me, let me sample Elise uh, Larry two. <laughs> like no, because we're playing it for an hour and a half. <laughs> so I don't know if that format would fit putting the games in but i still want to see the it interviews does work and I, really well with arcade yes. and arcade style games i i'm still i played it three four times i'm still in the in the early 80s of, of the 2600 like i said take me a while to get through it i've got like 20 hours on that fucking collection already i just think there's a way you can do this take the timeline mode where you branch off and you see all the behind the scenes stuff you see the old newsreels you see the old um fucking business cards you know, things like that. Yeah. And you put it all together. The original artwork, the photographs from, you know, people, people's personal photographs that they probably came over interviewing. Hey, take a photograph. We're hanging out at Atari. Like, that's the stuff we, we, that to me is video game preservation. That is it. That's the entire experience of the thing being made and the people around it. Not just the game itself, not just the prototype version. I want the history and the culture around the game itself. Yes. Right. There you go. 
There's no better way to spread the holiday cheer than upgrading your style for all to hear. Thanks to our friends at Vincero for sponsoring this CU podcast segment. If you aren't familiar with Vincero yet, they make exceptionally crafted and stylish watches at affordable prices. Other premium handcrafted watches don't fit the everyday person's budget. You can finally own a high-quality and lasting timepiece without going broke. So if you're looking for the perfect holiday gift to help elevate your style or someone you love, save 20% off and free shipping site-wide with our exclusive link, VinceroCollective.com slash podcast. Vincero Collective is a premium lifestyle brand out of San Diego that also makes high-quality and affordable sunglasses, jewelry, and more. Vincero's goal is to help the everyday person accessorize their outfits with premium products at a price that makes sense. Ian, you're wearing the Icon Automatic watch. Yeah, I really like the automatic watch. It'll always be ticking, and I like that I can see everything that's going on on the back, too. I have the the Rogue, a little sporty, but you can also wear it out. I like the, the gun metal on it, and it has a nice, comfortable band, which is probably going to be very durable over the long run. For all the bosses out there, their watches are a must. They can elevate your look with a twist of the wrist. Made with surgical-grade stainless steel, durable silicon, and Italian marble straps, these sleek modern watches come with reliable automatic and Japanese quartz movements. And their sunglasses come polarized with handcrafted frames and so many styles to choose from. Pat's wearing the uh, Via sunglasses over there, looking looking fancy. We got the sunglasses looking good here. I think it's Villa, but all right. <laughs> They're also changing the luggage game. Vincero just launched their commuter bag. This is the ultimate travel bag, specifically designed for someone who likes to look good while traveling. This product is made of 100% recycled nylon material, so it is lightweight and you can support a sustainable cause. Are you worried someone won't like the gift? Whether you need to return it or swap, there's no problem. Vincero's five-year guarantee and 365-day free return policy has you covered. So whether it's a gift for yourself or someone in your life, add Vincero to the top of your wish list. Don't wait or it'll be too late. Get 20% off and free shipping site-wide with our exclusive link, VinceroCollective.com slash CU podcast. Support our show and check them out at V-I-N-C-E-R-O collective.com forward slash CU podcast. Look good, feel good, and save big this holiday season with Vincero. Uh, we got voicemails in. Go to anchor.fm. So you gave me that look. That's, that's here. You gave me that come hither look. Anchor.fm slash to see you podcast. You go. Leave us a message. 20 seconds is my sweet spot. You know I like it. And uh, we will hopefully play it if we find it entertaining enough. And here's the first one. Hey, Pat Nian. This is James, a Submariner, from, uh, living in New Hampshire. Submariner? What? Uh, I have a question for both of you guys. So is there any game that you guys wish that you had played earlier? Like a game that when you started playing it, all the hype for it died down or the online presence is no longer there? Uh, like to know what you think. Thank you guys. So is he asking like by the time we get to a game? I guess so. Yeah. Or wish you played. Yeah. Wish you played earlier. Um, not a ton that I can I can think of, but it has kind of kept me from um, getting into games. Uh, Final Fantasy 14, for instance, is like everyone talks about how great it is, how wonderful it is to see online game. But everyone I know who's played that game has played it for hundreds and hundreds of hours and done everything. So I do feel like games with a large online presence, really big ones, you know, that have like matchmaking and stuff like that. You can always get in there, but I feel like to really enjoy an online game, if you're going to get really into it, you kind of do need to be there from day one for some of them. Gotcha. 
Um, I feel bad because I think Ian bought me for this Friday the 13th, the game. Um, no, I bought you Dark Souls. Okay, who got me Friday the 13th? I might have. Uh, I tried playing it three times. It couldn't connect to a fucking game. Yeah. I tried. Oh, yeah, I um, did. I got it for you on Steam or something like that. I tried connecting three I times. Yep. It was not early, early. It was like after it got a little popular, and I couldn't. I literally couldn't. I didn't know what the hell was going on at right. the time. I couldn't connect. It looks like you can still play peer-to-peer. The servers are gone, unfortunately. Okay. Servers are gone. The servers are gone three years into the game only. That's insane to me because that game was super popular for a bit. Now it's uh, dead, dead by day, Daylight. That's the one that's taken over, which was around the time as well, but now it's taken over. They have licensed IPs. I think they had like Mike Myers. Oh, that. Dead by Daylight, yeah. Dead by, yeah. Uh, by the way, real quick, Michael Myers, I had the misfortune of watching the last half of the Rob Zombie uh, Halloween 2. It oh, is- it's the worst, dude. It is the worst. I don't like his his remake of the first one, but I respect it, and that's it's fine. It's just not for me, but I like it. Two? Hobo Myers? The, the the legend of Hobo Myers is what like Bonnie jokingly refers oh. to that fucking movie as because he's just walking. It's awful. That movie is fucking All miserable. All I know is is uh, so bad. Lori just sees visions of this woman in white yep. and a horse, and I'm like, what is this horse dude, shit, dude? And it everyone, is. And then spoilers, dude. Everyone dies at the end. It's so fucking bad. So bad. And the editing is like Rob Zombie editing, and it's all flashy. And it's, it's just... Like I said, sorry. The, I, I don't love the first one, but I, I, like, was, I respect it. It's I was fine. interested because I'd heard it was bad. It did it so bad. And I watched it, and I was just like, wow. Just be happy you didn't watch it all the way from the beginning. Because it, it was even worse? Because I, I mean, it's just more to watch. <laughs> you got away lucky with only having to watch half. Wow. Really bad. I don't like remaking horror films. Just I, never saw the, I never saw the Friday the 13th uh, remake. I never saw the, the Nightmare on Elm Street one. I think they did, do, they did two Friday. 13th remakes. I just don't. No, just one. I just said one. They did two. Which one they did two of? They did two of that one. They only did one. Yeah. For, uh, for, there was only, there's only been one Friday the 13th remake. Gotcha. Could have been as bad. Could not have been. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. This is Daniel from Durant, Oklahoma. My question is why aren't there any retro sports game collections? I'm not talking about NBA Jam or NFL Blitz. I'm talking more like Tecmo basketball, Troy Aikman football, or Bastards Classic. There seems to be a ton of these games laying around in used game stores, yet doesn't seem like companies care to bring them to digital stores or in collections. This seems a shame to leave a whole genre of video games in the dust forever. Well, thank you. There's a lot of issues uh, with bringing back. You have the player association licenses. You have the, the licenses for the for the, the leagues. Yeah, right the away teams. the licensing it's is a bigger problem. Individual player licenses sometimes are gone. Like you know, Jordan was in those very early uh, EA games, and then he he got his own likeness, so like you couldn't bring Jordan back to some of those. There's I do think it would be. Issues. I think it'd be interesting to be uh, able to look at the development just purely from an educational standpoint. To look at the development of, especially like the eight and sixteen bit era of sports games. Oh yeah. Once you get into the three D stuff, it's like okay, it just looks <laughs> better. I mean, yeah. but it's interesting to see that development. Like you said, licensing would be a huge issue, and if you don't have the licensing, suddenly I think the bit of enjoyment yeah. that you would get out of going from version to version to check it, you're going to be missing a lot of the joy of not having your favorite players on those teams. Yeah, the, the NES Classic had Tech Mobile, right? And they just they had they had to take out all the players. Yeah, because they did Tech Mobile, so not Super Tech Mobile. Yeah. So there was no team, no official teams. Um, but no, they took out the names. Oh yeah. The names were gone in Tech Mobile. That's right. So it's like on this on the top of the screen, you just see the numbers. You don't see Jackson's anymore. Any, Joe Bo Jackson, you see uh, his number. When they score a touchdown, you don't see the names anymore. It's just not fun to play that. Yeah. 
will you play Tecmo Bowl because you're married to the players in that game that specific year? Right, it's and, fun, but it's also like, yeah, there, there's more to it. Like, if you lose the players, you're going to lose a lot of your affection for the series. Yes, and that's a big problem with it. You can probably get away with that more with like the NHL games, and then you're missing the team names. I mean, you're missing the NHL. Like, it doesn't make sense, unfortunately. Hey, Pat Ian. This is Dave from Albany, New York. Albany. I think one game that they should remastered would be Rampage for NES. Oh, oh, Jesus, no. 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 I mean, you had the N64 ones. That's basically (laughs) a remaster, right? Um, I mean... Yes, I feel like any of those sequels to uh, Rampage, uh, all Rampage sequels should uh, make the preceding games. uh, Sure. It it renders them pointless. Yes. You're not, you're you're just taking so simple. You're taking a very simple series, a very simple game, and yeah, just adding better graphics to it. (laughs) The NES version of Rampage is one of the worst fucking games I've ever played in my life. I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> I think I had to review it, and I was probably kinder to it. In the book? In the book. I thought I did it. Oh. But, uh, no, I mean, it's I fucking hate that game. It's miserable. Was you like two stars? I probably gave it three because it does what it says on the fucking tin. But I would not it says give it three. On the tin I'd, is... give it, I'd give it two and a half. Because of the monotony. Hopefully that's what I did. Because, yes, it's boring. It's just boring. Next. Hey, guys. It's Daryl from Buffalo again. Hey, what up, Daryl? Guys, is wondering, what was the best deal you guys ever got at a game convention? All right, guys, have a good day. Uh, Daryl probably hasn't because Daryl's given me good deals before. I'll, get, I'll go into one that you gave me uh, at the end. Um, do you have one on the top of your head? No, I, I really don't. Okay. Uh, the, uh, Magic Mike in Texas, big collector, um, gave me a great deal on a Myriad 6 and I don't think I told this story before. Myriad six in one, complete in box, matching serial number with a cart and box. Ooh. So we're like, those are few and far between to begin with. So he had one. I had never seen one in person before. To this day, I think I've seen only two in person. They, they, they only made a thousand of them at most. And he goes, I have one. And, you know, what do you, what do you want to offer to me? And I think at the time it was worth at least 1500 if not 2000 Complete box. It's hard to price it ever come for sale. So I said, I don't want to lowball you, but I'm just going to say, I'm going to say, like, you know, $700. Sure. Not, that's not super lowball, but it's like less than half the value of it. And he goes, okay. So why don't you, uh, instead of buying it, that's what, what I, he said, I want an earthbound complete in box. Why don't you just buy this earthbound complete in box over here and we'll call it even? I said, trade. I'm like, okay. So I walked over. I, he picked out the one he wanted. The guy had two or three of them, earthbound complete in box. And then we did the trade. And that was a great deal. Daryl gave me a good deal, though. He comes up with, I don't know where he got them, like four or five pounds of manuals. Oh, yeah, yeah, you told me about this. And yeah. I, he goes, hey, this is at Too Many Games last year, and Antoinette's next to me. And I start looking through them. I, was like, I, said, I said to him, I don't have time to look through these, you know. So I said, he goes, why don't you, you know, make me an offer for the whole thing? I said, I don't know what to offer you. I don't want to say here. He goes, he goes to me, 10 bucks for the whole thing. I'm like, $10, like $10 for like 300 manuals here or whatever. Like a lot of manuals. Right. And posters from NES, Super, GameCube, Game Boy, Game Boy Advance. Like, I, Antoinette has them still. I don't, still don't know all the manuals that, that are there. Because I just looked. There was like a Sega CD system manual in there. Weird shit. And so that was a good deal, Daryl. There you go. You, you got your shout out. Thanks so much. Hey, guys. It's Zach in Ottawa calling. 
Um, I recently got my third pinball machine, a dream pin of mine called Pinball Magic by Capcom. Uh, and it got me wondering, if you guys could have three pinball, pinball machines, which would they be? With the stipulation that they can't be in the top 50 on pinside.com. Okay, I have to do that. I have to hear your answers. Cheers, guys. I need that because there's like three or four in my head. I don't know if they make the top 50, though. That's the problem. Uh, top 100. Okay. Uh, this is a great question, but I, I would need the list and Godzilla some time number to one? look. Godzilla number one? Yeah, it's widely considered the best pinball machine ever. The made. new one? Yes. Really? Yeah, it's fucking incredible. Um, there, there's some there's some recency bias of some of these a lot of these top no no you have no Deadpool idea. number five get that the fuck is out recent of here. that is but Deadpool That's is also very very game. good not top five get the fuck out of here um, but no Godzilla is see Big Lebowski thirteen you're gonna say no so this this no. is, this is yes. recency bias it's top- Avengers sixteen fuck off anyway let's see top fifty Theater the Magic is twenty nine okay that uh, okay this is easy because I didn't know how many of the new ones would be on the list Doctor Dude. Funhouse, I thought would be in a top fifty list, and it's not, which is shocking to me. Um, uh, Baywatch, because I love Baywatch and Dirty Harry. Those uh, are mine. So, uh, oh, Funhouse is forty-eight. So Funhouse, okay. Funhouse better be top. Okay, 50. Fathom is fifty-nine. So I'll take Fathom. I'll or, take. I don't Dr. think Dude. Whirlwind is in the top fifty, although it should be. Whitewater is. I would have taken that. Funhouse is forty-eight, even with all this filler new shit up on here. Okay, I'll take Whirlwind. I'll take uh, Fathom, and I'll take I'll take Suntar. Yeah, literally half these games, the top 50 are games from the p- past 10 years. Because a lot of them are very, very good. Yeah, this is recency bias. Stranger Things is 21. Stranger Things is Adam's Family machine. is 20. That's usually regarded as one of the best ever. That's usually in the top 10. Yeah, there's, there's too many. Guns N' Roses is 17. Cactus Canyon is 18. I like Cactus Canyon. That's not one of my more favorite of the... Uh, Williams ones. I've kind of soured on it. Um, it's good. Uh, Medieval Madness is two. That's where that should be. But it's it's good. But I think that's not. Yeah, it's. I put it in the top fifty. But yeah, Either. it's my my problem with um, Cactus Canyon is it's a fun layout to shoot, but the rules are just. So fucking boring. Theater of Magic is 29. I, do, I love Theater of Magic. I do like Theater of Magic. That was one I was thinking about buying because that was never one as, as expensive as the other ones. Yeah. And I love it. All right. Next one. Doc, where's Dr. Dude? Dr. Dude's not in the top 100? How's it going, you foolish mortals? It is I, the devil, checking on my favorite holiday. But I know you guys won't get it out before then, so I'm going to use that Treehouse of Horror bullshit to my advantage. I hope you've been enjoying my Minions of the Damned ruining your con experiences of late. They came up to me and said, Oh, mighty one, I want to get back at those who say the value of my life's work is downhill. And I happily obliged. I took their soul in exchange. And I converted that their soul into a new cryptocurrency called Solium. It's tied to how much their soul is worth. Okay, that's enough shtick. <laughs> I'll say this: that was kind of a sassy devil. Yeah, said my sassy devil. I, li- I kind of like the sassy devil. Yeah. Hey guys, Nathan from Georgetown. Hey, Nathan. So let's say I'm opening up an omelet restaurant. <laughs> okay. And I approach you two with the idea of the completely unnecessary omelet. What would be in that omelet? Which ingredients would you choose to? Represent your personalities. Well, uh, you know my favorite omelet. I've gone through it twenty times. Ian has—I oh, forgot what your favorite one is, but uh, I, have, I, I love omelets. Uh, bacon, avocado, and cheese is really I'm good. Starving. Bacon, mushroom, and cheese is good. And the uh, the the goat, uh, the gyro omelet with uh, gyro meat and feta. Really? 
What's good? I've where, had where it a couple places. That? Where have you got me? Uh, sometimes they call it a Greek omelet. Never saw that in Jersey. Oh, it's delicious. Never it's saw that. Delicious. I never saw that at Greek diners in Jersey. I don't think I ever have. Um, it's, not, it's not too uh, greasy with the gyro meat. That's no, amazing. Is, is there like feta cheese in there? Yeah, like I said, feta cheese. You can go one. Fucking star. You can get one at the old townhouse. Can I get one twenty-four hour diner here? Just one somewhere. Can I open one up? Frank's diner. With his face on, I always have that putting Frank's logo on the top. That would that people would come to that. Couple more. I got to get a bagel in me now. I'm fucking starving. Hey guys, this is Jackson from Baltimore and Jackson. Two Consoles Too Late podcast. I think Ian could comment on this after working for Luna. I work for Goodwill Industries with donated game consoles, and I just ask. Please do not wrap your wires with zip ties. Oh, yes. God. Please just use rubber bands. Why do people use zip ties? You don't can't use, undo don't it. even use a rubber band. I hate but zip at least, ties. But at least a rubber band will snap on its own or you can get it off. A zip tie, you got to get in there with a fucking cutter to get get it off. It's horrible. One of my pet peeves in Vani, I doing? love you. Vani, I love you dearly. There's a twist tie. You're going to hear this, Vani, I'm sure. Uh, I, I, She loves using cord wraps and ties. I hate them. These little stringly, dangly little doodad bits. Oh, the, fucking, oh, the Velcro ones? Yeah, that you hate them. Fucking hate them. Oh, hate, hate, hate them. Hate them Uh-oh. so much. Divorce income. And then uh, zip ties I also hate, too. It's just extra fucking shit. But this reusable zip tie nonsense? Well, most of my zip ties I know are, aren't reusable. The ones no, I, I mean, like the Velcro ones. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's not a zip tie. Zip tie, I know. crank it, I hate you those can't too. get it off. I know. I hate those, too. You can't get in there. You need, I've, I've seen one so tight wrap. Wrap, uh, tightly wrapped at the swap meet where like I looked at him like I can't get a scissor in there I'd have to literally get a box cutter and saw through it my Awful. point is quite frankly that I hate ties on cords all the way around right. learn how to tie your cord as you wrap it twist ties fine if you're gonna do that uh, we don't need it do like two or three more. unnecessary we haven't done a lot we, we, got, we need to get a couple more in here hey pet hey Ian this is Max calling from Madison New Jersey Join what up. are your favorite video game ports of all time uh, I grew up playing the Donkey Kong Country ports on the Game Boy Advance so I would probably say those are my favorite Thanks, guys. Uh, one of my favorite all-time arcade game ports is uh, City Connection for the NES. It's a really cute, fun version of it, and I uh, enjoy it. And then, weirdly, we kind of talked about this in previous weeks. I never liked this in the past, but I've kind of grown fond of Atari 2600 Centipede in some weird way. It's a good port. I like it. The Millipede mil- port is really good, good, too. Yeah, it is. They're fun. They're, they're absolutely fun. I know that the game plays better with a trackball, and that's always how I want to play it. But for a little time waster, throwing on some 2600 centipede, or you're right, millipede is, is, is good. It's good time. I, I, I had a better appreciation for millipede playing the arcade one. I, to me, it was all, at first too complicated, and I, I, I like the additions to millipede. I think that I, I might like it better than centipede. Give me more time. I like the stuff like like hitting the little snail to decrease the speed of the, the centipede coming down. There's a, le, a little little editions i like i i don't hate millipede by any means it's a good game but i do think i enjoy the the the, the purity of centipede the little ddt DDT, sure but there's a there's just enough little upgrades like miss pac-man where it's a bunch of new creatures yeah it's a good game it's definitely a good game i just i think i like centipede 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 in arcades usually whatever no and when you do now it's usually part of one of those centipede millipede double cabs was millipede less popular was it a conversion kit it was probably both i'm guessing it probably converted it was its own i'm sure it was a conversion too Hey, Pat and Ian, it's Cody at Cody's Game Room on Instagram. And my question for you guys is this. Uh, With Elon Musk taking over Twitter and who knows what's going to happen with it, will you be looking to switch your 
primary social media platform up, maybe going to use Instagram or Facebook more often, or maybe even revisiting an old platform, bringing back the MySpace or the Live Journal. <laughs> Live Journal. <laughs> well, well, we'll see what happens with, with Twitter. Uh, we, the, the, the jury's still out on that. Hive Social, um, we'll see what happens that over the next year. If people start posting on that more, if it develops, it might be a year or two. But at least that's in people's heads where this could be a thing. I'm not in any uh, hurry to go um, just because I don't like social media enough as it is. I did create a Hive account at Pixel Sickle if anything ever happens. Yeah. But I have an Instagram that I don't use. Instagram to me isn't about communicating as much as it's showing off your stuff. Right. And it's I don't not, I, social media to me. I want to be yeah. social. I don't want to yeah. just post pictures. I post like a couple times a month at most on Instagram or like just like uh, I'll just post a picture of me holding a game or something. And people enjoy it. It seems to be a totally different audience than Twitter. It's like totally different. Mm -hmm. And it's used in totally different ways. I see some people have a 10, 20,000 followers on Instagram. And I'm like, what are they posted? So I'm just showing pictures of stuff. And I'm like, okay, interesting. Hey, Pat and Ian, Sean from Youngstown, Ohio. Youngstown. It's the top of the ninth inning and you are a closer for your favorite baseball team. What is the music you run out to? Ooh. Uh, Crystal meth, the trip like I do. <laughs> I don't know. I uh, the Benny Hill theme. Hi, Jinx and Sue. <laughs> and we're going to check in with someone that um, I got a surprise from someone here. Hello, Pat and Ian. This is Karen. Since it was brought up, here's an explanation of my Maniac Mansion score. Is it still a five-star game? I think so. For the book, we were supposed to avoid reviewing games on how they had, quote-unquote, aged. And in that sense, the controls aren't so bad. In 1990, a lot of people still didn't have GUI computers, and even my underfunded school had mostly Apple IIs. So back then, using a cursor with the controller would not have felt like such a huge problem, and the speed and acceleration of the cursor feels okay. Plus, the music is amazing. Although, Pat, if you change your mind and want me to rewrite the review, I'll happily do so. Thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it. She's right. The music is absolutely fucking fantastic. Hey, hey good for you, Karen. Good for you. You don't take no shit from nobody. Uh, What's this world coming to? I mean, I... I, I there, there's definitely a way I can see it being a five star game. That's why Karen's writing on the books. She knows her stuff. I think, I think she makes a good point. And it's and it's like one of the only games of its type on the system, and it's done well. I mean, and it's done well. You have. I don't that, know that that makes it a de facto five, but it's done but well. But the pedigree of the game, like King sure. Quest Five, is not a five star game because the original game I don't think is a five star. The no, original game is. <laughs> I don't think it sucks. It's above average. It's not as good as the other King's Quest. I'm not even a big King's Quest fan. But there's not a lot of those adventure games on the NES. It's like. Those two, and I'm, I'm struggling to think of a third one. God damn it. If, if there was a Space Quest on the NES, I would have had that. Like, why was there not Space Quest but King's Quest? Sure. Space Quest would have been a much better, uh, would have sold more because of the, the more of the bigger comedy in the space theme. Anyway. All right. Well, that's it for this uh, See You Podcast, Ian. Bye. This was a good one. Ian's going to get an omelet. Now I'm going to make a bagel. I'm going to watch the end of the game. It's 85 minutes in. One nothing. Let's go watch the end. <laughs> All right. Hopefully they hold on. We'll see you later. Bye.